Hey, this is Pastor Matt McClure here from Takeover Church, and thank you so much for checking out today's message. We hope it encourages you. We pray it blesses you. We pray it challenges you. And if you don't know, we have service every single Sunday at 10.30 a.m., and we would love for you and yours, your family and your friends to come on out, experience church, be a part of all that God is doing through Takeover Church. But hey, we hope this blesses you. Have a great rest of your day. How are we doing this morning, church? Fantastic. Yo, I didn't get the blue hat memo. Thanks for letting me know, boys. It's good. Hey, can we just make some noise before we go any further? Let's just give honor where honor is due. Uh, first and foremost, can we make some noise for God? Come on. And uh, second of all, thank you to our incredible worship team volunteers. I love that even when equipment may fail, our God does it. Our people come through. He is worthy. Come on. Man, I, uh, I know there's a lot going on today. I know it's big. I know it's Super Bowl Sunday. I know uh, people are excited about the 47s and in the, in the whatever. Uh, it's good. It's so exciting. But one of the things that I want to get better at in 2020 as we, as we were in this amazing moment of worship where maybe we had technical difficulties and, and, our, and our team stepped up to the plate to fix things and maybe there were some things going on and but I don't know about you, but there was something happening in this room that were two or more gathered. There he is in the midst of us. And in 2020, I want to get better at recognizing these moments, at occupying these moments, at making the most out of these moments because we're going to get to heaven one day. And that's exciting and that's great and it's far off and it's eternal and it matters. But this moment every single Sunday in worship and in the service together, this matters. This changes our daily lives. This changes our neighbors' lives. This actually changes this world. So while we're super stoked for heaven one day, we have heaven happening in this room, and I want to be a church that takes advantage of that moment. Are you with me? Yes. Fantastic. Well, this morning, as Scott said, um, man, I have just got the best pastoral staff around us. We really do. Adrian and I, as lead pastors here, we have the absolute best one, two, threes, fours, and and they're, they're amazing. They're amazing. We love you guys. And, and so this morning, <laughs> that'll preach. Thanks, man. <laughs> Says it but himself. Uh, but this morning, we are continuing our series, Anointed. How, who loved Scott, our associate pastor Scott's message last week? Come on. Anointed and calling. I tell you what, man. Uh, I'm about to just take my seat as the bishop and just let other people do cool stuff. Uh, it's awesome. You killed it, man. But this morning we are continuing the same series, Anointed, and I have no idea how long this series will go. God is just speaking so much about this, and we really thought there was no better way to start off a brand new year, a brand new decade, than really exploring God's approval, God's anointing, God's favor, God's unmerited, unexplainable, but completely attainable by the blood of Jesus, anointing on our lives. And so we're going to keep this train rolling this morning, and so if you're taking notes, the title of my message today... Scott's was anointed and called last week, and mine is anointed and guarding this week. Anointed and guarding. Come on, church. Come on. And then if you've got your Bibles in the house, who's got a Bible? Wave it at me like you just do care. Come on. Got a Bible. Got a few. I got some light-up Bibles. I love it. I'm, I'm a tech head. I'm here for the light-up Bibles. Um, but if we're being honest, nothing feels better than a nice leatherback, though, right? But also, also, if you don't have a B-I-B-L-E, feel, have no fear. We have got it up on the Sky Bible this morning. So 2 Timothy 1, 6 through 14, we're coming in hot this morning. Y'all ready? 
For this, thank you, thank you. One person's ready. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power, love, and self-control. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who saved us and called us to a holy calling. Not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace when he gave us Christ Jesus before the ages began. And which now has been manifest through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus who abolished death. Who's excited that Jesus abolished death? Come on. He brought life and immortality to the light through the gospel. Come on. For which I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher which is why I suffer as I do. Paul, you're an overachiever. But I am not ashamed for I know whom I have believed. And I'm convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. Follow the pattern of sound words that you have heard from me in faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Here we go, church. By the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. We're gonna pray. Then we're gonna see what the Lord will do with all that. Sound good? Awesome. Jesus, we just thank you so much for this morning again, Father God. We thank you that in the midst of technical difficulties, in the midst of things happening, God, we thank you that you are consistent, that you are faithful, God, that this morning you don't need all of this stuff. You just want your people to worship you, God. And I thank you for every single voice in this room that was lifting up a mighty praise in this house, God, because I felt this city change. I felt hell shudder, and I felt heaven get a little bit bigger. Come on. So, God, we just thank you so much for this morning. We know that you're king, and we know that you're Lord, and we acknowledge that you're on the throne, so be on the throne in this room right now. We give you all of our undivided attention. In Jesus' mighty name, a faith-filled church said, amen. Come on, anointed and guarding. I love this piece of scripture. It's awesome. I love, if you're not familiar, Timothy is one of the apostle Paul's boys. He leads a church. He is awesome. I call him Tim Tim in my personal time with the Lord. It's good, Tim Tim. No, not funny. Okay. Uh, but Timothy, he's his pastor, and Paul oversees him. He's one of his guys. And Paul is writing this letter to Timothy. This is obviously only a small portion of it. He writes this letter to Timothy, and, and he's talking to Timothy, and he goes, Man, I know that you're going through it. I know that church is hard. I know that things have been difficult. I know that you've been lied about. I know that you've been screwed over. I know that things have happened to you in the church game that you didn't want. But, brother, I've got to tell you this morning you got to guard the deposit that the Lord has placed on the inside of you. He's coming to Timothy, and he's saying to him, man, I know. I get it. I'm there. I'm with you. I understand what is happening on the inside of you. I understand the confusion you must be feeling. And he's trying to encourage Timothy. He is saying, man, you have got to guard the deposit that God has placed on the inside of you. And I love that Paul, he takes this time to write this letter to Timothy and that it's been blessed to make it through and be given to us because there's some incredible things in here. It's an amazing moment where we really see the truth about being a Christian. I look around the world today. I look around the United States today. I look around Michigan today. I look around Heck Grand Rapids today. Then I look at the local church and I look at Christians and myself and I wonder Am I complacent? Am I just okay with sitting back, being idle, and letting my God do all of the work for me? 
Is it okay as a Jesus follower? Do I just have this anointing on my life? Do I have this, have this call on my life, this thing that I'm called to protect and to guard, this deposit that he put on the inside of me that is unique to me and to me alone? Am I just complacent as a Christian to sit on my hands and expect God to do all of the work? Contrary to popular belief, there's this big thought in the world right now that whatever will be, will be. Whatever will be, will be is malarkey, okay? That's trash. It rhymes, so I said it. It's not real. Whatever will be, will be. Whatever will be doesn't have to be if we were alive and active and moving and decided that we're not just going to lay down for whatever will be in this life, but we're going to guard what God has given to us. We're going to develop what God has given to us, and we're going to go forward as a Jesus follower. See, Paul, he's writing to Timothy, and he's reminding Timothy, this is who you are. This is whose you are. This is what you were made for. You're being battle tested right now, but you will have victory in those battles. If you don't quit, if you don't relent, if you don't go backwards, you will see a victory, Timothy. We just sang it this morning, didn't we, church? And so there's this big theme in the world right now, and especially in the local church, that, man, we just get to sit down. And you know what? Man, God's going to supply the farm. He's going to supply the seed. He's going to water it for me, and then he's going to supply the blessing. And I just get to sit here as a Jesus follower, even though following is an action verb. It's what you do, okay? But I just get to sit here as a Jesus follower, and I just get to let God do all of this wonderful stuff to me and for me and in me and around me and with me and all these things, and I just get to be complacent. Friends, if I could just be blatantly honest this morning and kind of go for the throat a little bit, there is no such thing as a passive Christian. I'm sorry. It sounds good. It sounds good. But the gospel, the gospel doesn't just sit idle. The gospel doesn't go backwards. The gospel doesn't know how to take a step backwards at all. The gospel only goes forward. The gospel only goes in motion forward. It doesn't go backwards. It doesn't rescind. You were anointed to go backwards, you were anointed to advance. As Christians, we're not passive. We're not passive aggressive. We're just aggressive. We're just advantageous. We just go forward. Paul is letting to Timothy, he's letting him know, man, you've got to guard this thing. You've got to get in the game. For some of us this morning, one of the biggest takeaways that we're going to have this morning is that we serve a God who has anointed you and me. He put something on the inside of every single one of us that is uniquely significant to us, that is unique to every single one of us, that has your thumbprint all over it. Nobody else has the access to it, but we have a very real enemy who would love to steal it from you. It's what Jesus was talking about in John 10.10. 10. He says the thief comes to kill, to steal, and to destroy. What the enemy wants to steal, it's not just your peace. It's not just your joy. It's not just your finances. It's not just your kids. It's not just your marriage. Whatever the devil comes for, it's simply to see how much he can shake, break, and crack you open so that he can steal the deposit on the inside of you from the Lord. 
He doesn't just want to park his trailer in the front lawn of your mind and mess with you for a little bit. No, no, no. He's trying to shake and break and crack you like a safe so that he can take this deposit that he's placed on the inside of you. There is something about a believer who knows that they got something to guard. They got something to fight for. I look at the church sometimes and I look at myself. Let me make it personal. I look at myself and I go, Matt, are you pastoring to the best of your abilities? Is this what the apostles gave their necks for? Is this what the early church gave their lives for? Is this what our forefathers of our faith literally went to crosses for? Matt, is your lack of patience with certain individuals, is this, is this what Jesus gave his life for? Is this what people were beheaded for? And I take inventory of myself, and I got to look in the proverbial mirror and realize, man, that Paul, when he starts off the first book of Timothy, the first letter of Timothy, he says, Timothy, fight the good fight of faith. Man, I believe the church is going to be dangerous. I believe the church is really going to mess things up. I believe the church is going to advance. But we're only going to advance and we're only going to see a real lasting change when we realize that we are actually in this fight and we have fights to fight. I don't know if it's proper grammar, but man, we are in a fight and we have a fight to fight. Amen? We can't just sit by and let life happen to us. Man, we're supposed that happened for life. This thing was never designed for it just to have its way with you, but you were called to have your way with it. There is something that's been placed on the inside of us that makes us dangerous to the kingdom of darkness, that makes us encouragers to this world, that makes us uniquely gifted and qualified to see things and to move in ways that unbelievers can't. That we're out here, we're seeing people fight in the natural through politics, but there's strongholds that can only be broken through the supernatural. That's your and I's job. We're called to guard. And one of the things I think that happens is what Paul says to Timothy first here. He says this beautiful, beautiful thing. I don't think this is by mistake. I think he very purposely said this. He said, fan into flame the gift of God which is in you. Fan into flame the gift of God that's in you. Can I tell you this morning, friends, that I think one of the biggest parts about guarding the deposit that's in you is actually stewarding the deposit that's in you. Guarding the deposit should be stewarding the deposit. Man, Timothy is telling Paul, or Paul is telling Timothy here, he says, man, you've got a flame, you got to fan that flame to burn. You got to steward that gift. You don't just have that thing to sit there and be idle with it and be like, oh, look at this thing that the Lord gave me and I do nothing with it. No, 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 no. We have been given specific things and Paul is letting Timothy know, I know you're going through hardship. I know you don't feel like praying for people right now. I know you don't feel like preaching. I know you don't feel like going to that workplace. I know you don't feel like going to this place or being with that person or seeing family. But you got to fan this thing into flame. You have got something on the inside of you that the world needs, that if you just shut out, it's not going to be blessed by. You got something that the world needs to be blessed by, that your neighbor needs to be blessed by, but it's never going to be and it's never going to do all that it's called and God put in you and purpose for it to do. If you don't fan it in the flame, man, there is a fan that needs to, that there is a spark that needs to be fanned, that needs to turn into a flame, that needs to be a roaring inferno, church. Come on, Grand Rapids needs, this city needs what's on the inside of you. It doesn't need another politician. It doesn't need another coffee shop. 
What it needs is some believers to rise up and to own these areas and to let that fan flame really ignite in the city and burn bright and be undeniable. You are anointed for this, but we got to steward it. How many of you guys know it's a lot harder to steal something that you're paying attention to? If you're actually stewarding, developing, looking into your gift and your calling, and you are getting involved with it, and you are building it up, and you are learning, and you are absorbing knowledge, and you are getting underneath the learning tree of someone further down the road than you in the same calling or with the same anointing or whatever it is, if you're actually actively developing and stewarding this, it's a lot harder to steal something that you have your eyes on. It's a lot harder to steal something that you are actively involved with on a weekly, monthly, uh, every single day basis. Ain't nobody going to come into your house, take something from you that you're not paying attention for or that you are paying attention to. So often in this life, we're just idle as Christians. We don't think about the big picture. We don't sit here and go, man, I was actually given all of this stuff, not, not for myself, but for other people to come to know God. This musical gift isn't just for me to make dope records and, and, and win Spotify awards and do cool stuff. This was actually made so that I can bring somebody else freedom and liberation through my music. Man, I, I wasn't just made to be a, a, a mother by happenstance. I wasn't called to be a mom and raise up godly kids by happenstance. No, no, no. God put this desire, this God dream on the inside of me. He made me this way. He put this deposit inside of me to be a mother for these kids because I'm going to shape some world changers that maybe, maybe not just world changers, maybe what the local church, maybe what Grand Rapids needs is for a mom to step up and steward some kids who aren't the weird Christians in class, but are actually the bold Christians in class. It's fun to laugh at because we all know who they are. But I believe our God, he's not interested in continuing on with, with things that have put a bad taste on his name. He's interested and some Christians rising up. One of the reasons that God has a bad taste associated with his, his name, one of the reasons he has a bad name in this city a lot of the times is because Christians aren't occupying their space. They're not guarding their deposit. They're sitting on their hands and they're watching people fall apart in front of them and we're not going to them and saying, no, there's more here. And one of the ways that we go to people with there's more here is through our gifts, through our talents. You know, if you're in this place and maybe, maybe your anointing, maybe your anointing isn't to be a preacher, to be a pastor. Maybe your anointing is to be in sports medicine. And you've got to start developing that. Maybe your anointing, maybe what you're called to, maybe what God's put on the inside of you is graphics, design, and art. Then you've got to start developing that. He's given you a tool that is going to reach people further and in different sections of life than a pastor is going to. There is, there is something about a different calling for me that I recognize and go, man, I love church on Sundays and I love going to coffee shops throughout the week, but thank God for people like Dave. Thank God for people like Eric who gets to go into these different sections and reach people that I may never reach. Maybe you're in this place and Maybe you feel like, yeah, the job is just the ends to the means, is to supply your means for your ministry. And maybe for you, you feel like your deposit is to be an intercessor, to be a prayer warrior, to be someone who's 
really gifted in laying of hands and, and speaking a word of knowledge and setting people free or laying hands and bringing healing to someone's physical and mental well-being. I don't know. But I do know with all of these things, if it is not developed, it will never be all that it can be and do all that it can be. Now, hear me this morning, church. I don't believe that with God, if you don't use it, you lose it. Okay? That's funny, right? I don't believe with God that if you don't use it, you lose it. Okay? That's a worldly mentality. But I do know with God that if you don't develop it, he can't use it. He can't use it at least not to the significant manner in which, he, in which he gave it to you for. Man, he placed something on the inside of you, whatever that thing is. For all of us, it's different, even if it's the same. Scott and I both called to be pastors, both called to be preachers, both called to be communicators of the gospel, but there's something uniquely different about his deposit from my deposit. If you're called into the medicine field, oh, I'm working at a hospital and all these other people, we all have the same lane, we all have the same stuff. You might have the same lane, but you got different cars. You might be going down the same highway, but you got a different thing on your life. Man, maybe you're called to be the peace beyond all understanding in that hospital while somebody's there to be the healing in there. Maybe you're called to come together and do something amazing at Spectrum and amazing at Mary Freebed that this city's never seen. I don't know. But what I do know is that the devil wants to kill, to steal, and to destroy. But it's a lot harder to steal something that you're paying attention to, that you're developing. Friends, I just want to say it one more time that, man, so much of guarding is stewarding. Guarding is an action word. Guarding is an action word. And I think it's so funny that nowadays in the, in the world that we live in, we have this phrase that the best, the best defense is a good offense. And I think it's absolutely true to this thing. That, man, when it comes to guarding, that may seem defensive to you, but you're not made to defend standing still. You're made to defend advancing forward, amen? Best defense is still a good offense, even when it comes to Jesus, even when it comes to church, even when it comes to what you and I were made to do. You know, another thing I see that Paul is writing to Timothy here, it's absolutely amazing. He says this, See that piece of scripture. He says this in uh, verse 8. He says, Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor me, the, uh, of his prisoner, but share in the suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who has saved us and called us to a holy calling. Paul says, A holy calling. I think that's explicit. I think he said that specifically to get Timothy's head wrapped around this idea that, bro, you might be feeling abused right now, but God didn't give you some second-rate calling. People might be gossiping about you, but you don't have a chump change calling. You don't have a pocket change calling. You have a holy calling. It may seem difficult. It may seem like more is being taken from you than being given back to you. You might be going through it. You might be in the fire, but man, he's given you a holy calling. You don't have a calling that just says, yeah, well, we chose you because we could find anybody else better for the job. God's not sitting up there in heaven. He's not downplaying your calling. But that's what we do. That's what we do. He's not up there having conversations with angels just being like, ha, Adrian, 
Oh, I couldn't find anybody else to put up with Matt. It's good. There you go, girl. Ah, second rate. Second best. Last choice. No, 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 no. For the deposit that's been placed on the inside of every single one of us, you were the first choice. You were the first appointed. You were the first assignment. You were the first anointed. You weren't just this person who somebody else didn't answer the call on their life, and so they decided to go to you and stick you in somewhere and see if it worked. No, 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 no. What God placed on the inside of you is a holy calling. One of the things here at church that matters so much to me is holiness still matters to God. He didn't just look at you and go, ah, here's something good. No, no, no. He gave you something better. It's called holy. Oh, here's something low brow. Here's something low brow for young 16-year-old Elijah. 16, right? 17? Knew it. My bad. Here's something low brow for 17-year-old Elijah. No, no, no. It's better. It's holy. Here's something insignificant. Here's a role that you could play. The least of these. I'm sorry, the guy that we're talking about right now, Paul, says, I am the least of these. I am the chief sinner. I've killed more Christians than I saved at this point. I am the least of these. No, no, no. There is no least of these on the totem pole of heaven because there is no totem pole in heaven. Every calling is significant and every calling is holy. It's easy to look around and be like, man, I, there's Matt. He's got a platform. He's got a bigger arena. He's got a bigger uh, spread. People get to listen to his voice and podcasts and all of these things, and I'm just a mechanic. I've just been called to use my hands and tools and to, and to fix people's cars and to do all these things. This is my lot in life, but look at that. Man, it's real easy to get underneath your nose and steal what you're supposed to be guarding when you're looking at what somebody else is guarding. It's real easy for the enemy to come in and to take what belongs to you, which he has no right to put his dirty, filthy hands on when you're over here wishing your hands were on somebody else's calling. You're not anointed the way somebody else is anointed. You're, the way, you're anointed the way God wanted to anoint you. That's special, and that's significant. I think one of the biggest issues in church is, man, we just think we're insignificant. I'm sorry. Can I burst another bubble this morning? You're not insignificant. You're not insignificant at all. What God has placed on the inside of you, it may not have as large of reach. It may not have lights. It may not be up here on a Sunday morning, but it is reaching and it is leading and it is impacting this earth for the kingdom of God in avenues and areas most of us never will. I don't have the access to your child the way that you do. I don't have access to your insurance company the way that you do. I don't have access to Rockford or to Kentwood. I don't have access to Meyer. I don't have access to my brother's apartment complex business the way that you do. I don't. But you do. You have something on the inside of you that is significant. And I think one of the biggest ways the devil can get inside of our lives and inside of our camp and inside of our minds and get us to forfeit. We doesn't even need to steal it from us sometimes. If he can get you to see it as insignificant, we're just going to forfeit it. Because we don't see the value in it the way that God does. But friends, until we begin to see the value in the deposit that God gave us, it'll never be all that it can be. 
you got to look at that thing in your life that he put on the inside of you that is so uniquely you, that you are so uniquely made for, that was so uniquely placed on the inside of you that it's undeniable. But man, this is what Zach was made to do. This is what Cena was made to do. This is what Anna was made to do. This is their purpose in this life, and it's significant because it's really easy for the devil to steal something that you and I don't hold value in. And we don't hold value in another thing. Another thing. It's easy to look at these things that we don't see value in. And often I think it's because we don't see value in ourselves. I think for a lot of us in this room, we know we got a big call on our lives. Every call is big. I know that we got some world changer, city shaker kind of stuff on the inside of us. Even if there's no TV, even if there's no recording, we got something on the inside of us that's going to impact people. I think we all know that. We got this thing on the inside of us that if we just woke up one day and decided to shoot our shot and go for it, whether it's our marriage, it's how we raise our kids, it's what we do with our finances, it's what we're doing at work. Whatever avenue that we're in, if we would just come alive one day, wake up with our feet on the floor and tell the devil he's about to have a bad day because you woke up. That's better than just a good preaching thing. That should be daily lives. But for a lot of us, we look at the thing that God placed on the inside of us and, and then we look at what we've done with our lives. And we look at what we've done with our lives and we're like, he called me to that in 2020? God, do you even know what I did last night? Do you even know what I did in 2019? God, do you know what I did in 2007? Do you know what I did my senior year of high school? Do you know who I slept with and how many I've slept with and what I've done, what I've stolen, what I've taken? God, do you know? I got a lot of karma coming my way. And God's sitting up in heaven going, Karma isn't real. It doesn't exist. You reap what you sow is something I made up. They stole it from me, didn't put my name on it, and they forgot the good news is that you not only reap what you sow, you reap what I sow. And so we're sitting here in our lives, and we're having this conversation with God and with each other. And man, I feel like you made me do this, and I can't shake this thing. I'm not significant. I'm not significant. I'm from the middle of nowhere, Michigan. My family are these people. I spent all of 2019 doing this. And we start to belittle the significant gift that was placed on the inside of us by how we view ourselves. Friend, can I tell you this? God does not give holy deposits to things that he sees as filthy. That's a word for somebody this morning. He doesn't give holy things to things that he sees as filthy. He doesn't give significant gifts, significant deposits to insignificant people. The very fact that he placed something holy on the inside of you speaks to your value. You're not invaluable. You're not unvaluable to God. You're invaluable to God. God sees you as worthy of carrying this thing, whether you do or not. 
God sees you in every single moment of doubt, every single moment of brokenness, and he sees that you are indisposable, that even when our feelings and our actions will make us feel like we're disposable, even though we might feel disposable in our marriage, disposable in our workplace, disposable on our university campus, disposable in all these other areas, God looks at you and he says, I have placed this on the inside of you. So whether you feel insignificant, you are significant. Whether you feel disposable, you're indispensable. Whether you feel unvaluable, you're invaluable. You are invaluable. And the devil likes to get inside our camp and he's a crafty little dude. He likes to get inside our heads and get those voices going. He just loves to remind you of who you were and what you once did. Friends, the devil doesn't play fair. He plays to win. And I wonder how many of us are playing to win. Are we just being idle? Are we just being passive? Are we just letting life happen to us? Are we tackling this life with everything that God has put on the inside of us? Or is the devil tackling us with everything that he's put inside this world? Man, we got to play the win. If we don't play to win, we're playing to lose. We don't get to be idle. We don't get to sit. We don't get to not go forward. Because he's called you to something holy. But what the devil likes to do is he likes to get inside your head. He likes to mess all of this up. He likes to point out. When you're in your moments of temptation, when you're in a moment of failure, or when you're sitting alone and you're being idle, you're not actively moving forward in the kingdom of God, actively taking ground in the city. He likes to sit there and get you inside your emotional bag, and he loves to go, oh, man, you did it again. Ah, oh, you did it again. Ah, oh, girl, you slept with him again. You said you wouldn't. You said you wouldn't, but you did it. Ah, oh, my guy, my guy, <laughs> you messed up again. First of all, if anybody in your head calls you my guy or laughs by talking about your past failures, don't listen to that voice. My guy, shut up. But he loves to get inside your head, and once he points out your failures, what he does is this. As he starts spreading more lies, and he says... Yeah, you messed up. You really crapped the bed this time. You really crapped the bed this time. But you can always go back to what you were doing. You can always go back to who you were. You know who you were before you and church were a thing? You know what you were doing? before you and Jesus were a thing, you can always go back. You, remember that? Remember, you used to play music. You used to do this. You used to want to do this in your life until you and Jesus got in a relationship, before you and Jesus became a thing, before you bended a knee. And instead, what he wants to do is he wants to present you this counterfeit plan B this plan B that looks like a good way out. Oh yeah, those church people, they may not understand what you did last night, but your old friends, your old crew, your old girls, they ain't gonna judge you. They're doing the same thing. Why don't you call them up? Why don't you go hang out with them? You don't need to go to church that day. You don't need to go to life crew that day. You don't need to be at team night. 
Look, they're not going to understand why you failed and why you botched things yesterday. But them old people, they will. And the devil wants to get in your head and convince you of this plan B, this counterfeit path. He wants to convince you that it's easier to go backwards than it is to go forward. And of course it's easier to go backwards than it is to go forward because you're familiar with those trails. You're familiar with your past. You're familiar. This is an arena that is well-traveled for you. But with the devil's plan B, friends, if you want to know how to catch him in a lie, his plan B, it is always based off your past, based off your sin, and based off what God has already rescued you out of. There is no plan B with God. Friends, can I explain to you this morning? Can I plead with you this morning? Can I ask you to put this on the inside of you this morning? That there is no plan B with God. There is only plan A, plan A, plan anointing. Plan A, plan advancement. It is only going forward. You are not blessed to go backwards. You are blessed to go forward. The devil wants to get inside your head. and He wants to tell you it's better behind you than it is ahead of you. We have a God that says, no, 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 the best is still yet to come. I don't care what you've accomplished. I don't care how you failed. I don't care what's happened in your life. I don't know where you are at this point or what journey behind you is well-traveled, but our God's blessing is always in advancement. It's always going forward. Man, I believe in a church, not just takeover church. I believe in the church the organism, the body of Christ. I believe that if we just got this on the inside of us, that we have to guard the deposit that's been placed on the inside of us, that we would develop it, that we would watch over it, that we would get so familiar with the deposit on the inside of us that if anybody tried to even come for it, we would experience extreme discomfort and we would be on the offense. Man, something dangerous will happen in this city when we decide we're playing to win and we're playing for keeps. We're not playing to lose. We're playing to win. Friends, this world, this city, it will never be all that it can be without what has been placed on the inside of you, being developed, being stewarded. Our God has called you. He's not called you to something insignificant. He's not called you to the bare minimum. You don't have a, a nine to five calling with God. You don't have a minimum wage calling with God. He doesn't place a $5 deposit on the inside of you. No, no, no. He bet the house, the farm, and the pony on you for this city. He has placed everything on the inside of you. Our God, what he has placed on the inside of you, this might be a very for real word for some of us, but right now i got to tell you, our God is the kind of God that he expects a return on his investment. He expects a return on his investment. What he put on the inside of you, what he's deposited inside of you, man, he's called you to guard it. He's called you to pass the finish line with it. He's called you to use it, not just sit idle by and watch attempts on it be taken. But he expects a return on his investment. Worship team, you can begin making your way over here.
Paul's writing to Timothy. And I love this last part that he says. I love this last part. He says, follow the pattern of the sound, the sound words that you have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus by the Holy Spirit who dwells within us. Guard the good deposit entrusted to you. Follow the pattern of sound words that you have heard from me in faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. See, he didn't, he didn't just put this deposit on the inside of you and, and say, good luck. Good luck with that. He didn't just put this deposit on the inside of you and not give you a road map to follow, not help you out. Our God, he placed this deposit on the inside of you, and he's done all the heavy lifting. He sent Jesus to this earth, to a cross, he went to the grave for you, touched down in hell for you, and he won you back. He's done all of the heavy lifting on his end. He's put his spirit on the inside of you, and he has now empowered every single one of us to make good on that return on his investment in us. He says, follow the sound words. It's like when we use the word sound doctrine, it just means it's clear. It means that it's perfect. It means that it's holy, that he has given you a clear direction. There's something on the inside of you. This world, it needs it, so don't let the devil have it. Your family, it needs it, so don't rob them of it by underdeveloping it. The people in this church, the people that you are going to encounter in the rest of your life, I don't care if you're 95 in here this morning. I don't care if you're 85, 75, 15. It doesn't matter to me what age you are. You still have a good and holy deposit on the inside of you that our God, at the end of our days, he wants to say, well done, good and faithful servant, and he wants to return on his investment. Friends, would you stand up as we get ready to go back into another moment of worship? I don't know, I don't know what everybody's life has looked like in here. I don't know what lies the devil has tried to get you to take up for plan B. I don't know what paths are really familiar to you, what roads you've really well traveled in your life. But I know that the future is always scary. I know that the that fresh terrain, taking new ground, it's, it's always intimidating. But I can tell you, God has so much more ahead of you than the devil has behind you. So what I want to do right now is just have every head bowed and eye closed in this place. We're going to go back to this moment of worship. We've got one of our core leaders, Zach, he's in the back. He had the blue hat on during church news. And what we do here at church is, man, we just do what James 5.16 says that, 4.16, my bad, that says, if any of you are sick, if any of you are in need, 
Call the elders of the church forward. Elders, anoint your hands with oil, anoint their heads with oil, and pray over them by laying of hands in Jesus' name. And so we got Zach, one of our core leaders, which just means one of our board members. He's awesome. And he's back there. He's got oil, and he's ready to pray with you. So if you need that, he's in the back with the blue hat on. But right now, with every head bowed and eye closed in this place, I just want to offer you the opportunity. I want to offer the opportunity for two things. One, if you would say right now, you never heard about a God who actually had plans for your life. All you heard about was a God who sat up in heaven and judged everybody and once in a while would touch down in churches. But you have a God who actually is alive, he's active, and he wants to be involved in your life, what he does through your life. He wants to use you in mighty ways. He has a plan and a purpose for you. This is only good news. He has sown Jesus into your story already. He has started this relationship with you, and he is waiting for you right now to start this relationship with him, to take him up on his offer. And so right now, with every head bowed and eye closed, I'm going to count to three, and if you, would just, if you just want to shoot your hand up as high enough and long enough so that I can see it, and then you can put it right back down. You want to say that I want to make Jesus the Lord and Savior of my life, whether it's the first time or the first time in a long time. This is your moment. Don't miss your moment. One, two, three. Awesome. What I want to do in this next moment is Kind of another level up. If there's anybody in here this morning that would just be honest, again, everybody's heads bowed, everybody's eyes are closed, this is a moment between you and the Lord. But you would be honest in this place, in this moment, and say, you know what? I've been listening to lies, and I haven't been stewarding. And man, I feel like I've had the devil in my camp. I feel like he has parked in the front lawn of my mind. I'm I feel like I haven't been paying attention, but God, I want to get back on track. God, I want to start paying attention. God, I want to start developing and stewarding this deposit that you've put on the inside of me. If that's you and you're ready to recommit to this thing and just go from this moment forward, I'm chasing down what you have for me, God, with everything on the inside of me. Reckless abandonment for your cause, God, if that's you. Would you just raise your hand? One, two, three. I want to pray over you. I see that hand. I see that hand. There's hands up over. I see that hand. There's hands up here on stage. I see these hands everywhere. If that's you, come on. Then what I'm going to do is I'm just going to pray over every single one of us. And we're going to solidify this decision right now. Father God, we just thank you so much. We thank you for this opportunity. God, we love God. We love that you are able, Jesus, to do exceedingly above all that we can ask, dream, or imagine, God. So right now, we are repositioning, we are repurposing, we are refurbishing everything in our lives to point it back in a direction, God, of being on guard. Of being on the offense, God. That you put something so significant on the inside of me, God. I recognize my value. I recognize the value of what you put on the inside of us, God. And from this moment forward, Jesus, I'm going to give it my all. I'm going to give you my all. I'm going to give the call my all. God, I thank you for this anointing over my life. And from this moment forward, I'm not going to ignore it. 
but I'm going to take advantage of it. And from this moment forward, God, I ask you for a greater portion of peace, a greater portion of discernment, a greater portion of clarity, a greater portion of my calling, God. If you would give me more right now, God, I'm going to make the most of it, Jesus. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for going to the cross for us. And thank you for being with us in this moment as we go back to this next moment of worship, God, that I just get to sit with my Father in this moment. In Jesus' mighty name, a faithful church said, Amen. Worship team, would you just begin to lead us?